0: This episode of Life 66, Revelation chapter 10, the little book and the angel, and how this little book is both sweet and bitter. This is Pastor Greg, glad you joined us today for this study in the book of Revelation. We have been going through the book chapter by chapter, a little slower in chapter two and three, um, but making our headway through, through the rest of the book. Chapter 10 is today's chapter, it's a fascinating look. Um, at this prophecy that God gives the Apostle John to speak to the world. Now, we've been looking at the judgments so far. We saw the the, uh, seven seals um, in chapter 6 and a little bit in chapter 8. Chapter 8 and 9 with the seven trumpet judgments. We actually saw six of the trumpet judgments. And now there's going to be a little bit of a break between the trumpet judgments and the final seven judgments, the bowl judgments, Um, Chapter 10, chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all are are happened between those two judgment periods, except for the seventh trumpet. We'll see that in chapter 11. But for the most part, there's these multi-chapter break uh, in between the trumpets and the bulls, And then we get into the the final part of the book, uh, or of the vision, rather, with the coming of, of our Lord. But let's look at chapter ten of the Revelation. Uh, Let me. I'm going to read the entirety of the of the chapter today. It's it's a little short, so I think we have time to do that. Uh, Let me read it to you. Chapter ten, Revelation. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow about his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea. And his left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing before the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives for ever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, and the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he promised to his servants, the prophets. When the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more, uh, then I, the voice I heard from heaven spoke to me once more, go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel and is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings." Let's take a look and see uh, what is going on in chapter 10 of the Revelation. First of all, there's this picture of a mighty angel, and we have to ask, who is this angel in verse 1? Now, many think it's uh, Jesus. Some think it's just an angel, and there's good arguments for both. Uh, lots of scriptures and lots of um, uh, support for the angel being Jesus. Because of his, his description, uh, he's robed in a cloud uh, and there are many different uh, scriptures that talk about uh, Jesus in, in, uh, you know, in a cloud, uh, the exodus, the, the pillar of, of uh, cloud by day. And actually, in Revelation 1-7, uh, there's a reference that's similar. There's a rainbow about his head. Revelation 4-3 in the throne room speaks about this rainbow about the throne. Uh, his face shone like the sun. Uh, Revelation 1-16, the description again. Uh, feet like pillars of fire, one, Revelation 15. He roars like a lion, Revelation 5.5. 5. Um, and Jesus appears and is described as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, so there's quite a bit of evidence that would say that this angel is Jesus himself. However, there are some arguments against that, that this is just a, not just, but a mighty angel who is an angel. In the book of the Revelation, angels are angels. Uh, never is Jesus described as an angel. Remember, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is being revealed, not concealed in Revelation. And he's never described as an angel in this book. Uh, he's the Lord of the angels, using them to execute his judgments. Uh, in the first um, part there, it says, then there was another uh, angel. And this word in the Greek means uh, another of the same kind. Uh, and there's only one Jesus, but there are many, many angels of similar kinds. Uh, could it be Gabriel? Could it be Michael? I don't know. Uh, my personal view is that this is an angel and not Jesus Christ. Um, but, uh, you know, we will see one day when we see the Lord face to face. Um, the possessions of the angel in verse two, he has a little book in his hand. And this is different than the seven-sealed scroll that we've seen already that has actually been unsealed. Um, the Greek word for, for this book is different than that of a scroll. It's, it's like a little booklet. Um, and what are the contents of this book? Uh, apparently, it's got some incredibly divine purpose, uh, similar to maybe the prophet Ezekiel, as there are some similarities between this uh, chapter 10 and Ezekiel's prophecy, um, but what we know is that the contents of this book are not allowed to be, uh, we don't know what they are uh, yet, but we know John must preach them once he's consumed this book. Um, is it the word of God that must be preached before the end, uh, according to verse 11? Again, we can only speculate. Um, so the contents aren't completely clear, but what we know is it's God's word for things that are yet to come, and we're about to see some pretty amazing things. Uh, That do occur in the rest of the Revelation. There's the position of the angel. Uh, He's standing with one foot in the sea and one foot on the land. Uh, The position of a conqueror, that he is Lord of all the earth, or rather he is over all the earth. I won't say Lord because we're establishing that he's an angel, Um, but he is in a position of, of a conqueror. Remember, we're the tenants of this earth. We don't own it. It doesn't belong to us. He's the landlord. The landlord is coming. And remember back in the New Testament when Jesus spoke parables, um, one specifically in in Matthew 21, 33 to 45, uh, this parable of the tenants when uh, there's a landowner landowner who plants a vineyard and he puts a wall around it, digs a wine press, builds a watchtower, uh, and then he rents the, the vineyard to some farmers, and then he goes away. When the harvest time approaches, he sends servants to collect the fruit but the parable goes on that the tenants seize the servants, they, they stone them, they, they kill another. Um, and so the landlord sends his son uh, to collect the fruit from the um, tenants. And they come and take the son as well. Of course, it's the story of Jesus, God sending his son to the earth to uh, rightfully claim what is his. God is going to claim what is His. Psalms chapter 8, verse 6, Hebrews chapter 2 8 speaks that all things are under His feet. Revelation eleven fifteen 15 says, The kingdom of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. The position of this angel is God's delegate to stand as conqueror over the earth and saying, Enough is enough. Enough of this violence and godlessness and selfishness and um, just rejection of God, that he is coming to rule, and he is coming to take his rightful place. In verse 3 and 4, it says that this angel shouts, uh, and the shout is like a roaring lion. Um, think of the volume of that. Uh, I've heard a roaring lion in the wild uh, in some of our travels. We've camped out in safari in the uh, plains of the Serengeti in northern Tanzania. And we are told that a lion's roar can be heard five miles away. That's just intense. And we've heard those lions roar out there. And the, 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 the nearness of a, of a roaring lion, or the, the sound of a near roaring lion, is deafening. Uh, but when this angel speaks, it's the sound, uh, or when he spoke, seven thunders speak in response to his shouting. Um, This is God's voice. Remember, seven is the number of completion. Uh, It's not perfect. It just means complete. And these voices come from the throne of God. Think of the power. I've heard thunder crackle or lightning crackle and thunder roar in a a storm, Uh, but I've never heard seven thunders uh, roar at the same time. In John chapter 12, 28 to 29, we hear Jesus's voice sounded like thunder. And every time the thunder is spoken of in the Bible, it's followed by judgment. That God, it's hard to believe God is roaring from heaven and judgment is coming. I shudder to think of being on the wrong side of that power, being on the wrong side of that finality. When those thunders speak, um, they tell John, are they, excuse me, they, they will not let John write down what is being revealed to him. It says I was about to write down what I heard, there's something said by these thunders. Um, and a voice from heaven tells John, don't write it down, or rather, don't reveal it." Uh, actually he says, no, do not write it down. So he's not allowed to, to even write it. Something is coming that is still a mystery. Everything is revealed in the book of Revelation except for this, that this message that John heard from the throne room uh, is not allowed to be, to be written or communicated. Uh, one day we'll know. One day we'll find out. Uh, this is also, I want to take a quick tangent here to those that, that hold to the, the, the idea that in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, when the perfect has come... You know, prophecy will cease, tongues will cease, etc. And there are some that hold that the Bible is the perfect being referred to there. Uh, I don't agree with that. Um, we don't have perfect revelation yet. This mystery right here gives us that uh, that answer. There are things that are not revealed. It's the the Bible we have. It is infallible. It is um, the the precious, wondrous Word of God. Uh, it is perfect but it's not the perfect that's being referred to there. And there still are things yet to be revealed that we do not know. Of course, the perfect in 1 Corinthians 13 is Jesus. It talks about, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. We won't be looking in the Bible face to face when we uh, meet Jesus. We'll be looking at him face to face. He is the word uh, who became flesh. Um, So anyway, quick tangent there to try to bring some clarity that uh, there's a mystery here. In verse 5 and 7, there's the announcement uh, of the mighty angel and of God's authority. It says, the angel raised his right hand, and he, he swears an oath to heaven. Um, that Very interesting, the promises that are exchanged between this angel and the approval of that promise uh, by God, as he replies... Um, He swears by God, the creator of the heavens, those in the heavens, the earth, and those in the earth, the sea, and those in it. Remember, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they're the creator. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 speaks of Jesus uh, being the creator before all things. And so he he wouldn't necessarily, this goes back to the first part of defining whether this angel is Jesus or an angel, but this is another reason, Uh, that Jesus would not swear by the creator, he is the creator. And uh, so that's another uh, just tidbit that I think would prove that this person is an angel. Um, And he says, he speaks about the timing of this coming judgment. He says, there can be no more delay. Fascinating, isn't it? To think that the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments were horrible. They were the wrath of God being poured out. But there's so much more to come. The final judgment is yet to come. So there's going to be no more delay. Remember, Jesus is, or God is holding back final judgment that none should be lost. 2 Peter chapter 3, 1-9 th- through nine says he's being patient because he wants everyone to come to repentance. Of course, we already know that that won't happen. Uh, narrow is the road that leads to uh, eternal life, but broad is the road that leads to judgment. We know it won't happen where everybody will be saved, but God is being patient, wanting more and more to come. But there's going to be a time when it's up, when the final whistle will blow, and when it does, there's either going to be joy or anguish. Joy for those who have served God, and anguish for those who have not. That the prayers of the martyrs from chapter 7 will finally be answered. Uh, History does operate according to a divine plan. There's no one on this earth that determines what happens tomorrow. God alone determines what happens tomorrow. That there will, there will be simply an end to time, as we know it. That dimension will simply cease to exist, and we will, we will be with Jesus forever and ever. It's so important that we open our hearts and our mouths to share with others that, that this day is coming, and it's coming soon. The word, it is done, uh, do not appear until Revelation 16 and 17, uh, but it's going to happen. It's fascinating to think that Jesus has never reigned on the earth. What I mean in, in the sense of his his being the king, the sovereign ruler. He was here and he dictated um, you know, his plan while he lived on this earth. And the closest he got was when he came in on the, on the donkey uh, from the Mount of Olives uh, before his crucifixion. When he allowed himself to be praised as the king, but he's not reigned on the throne. He's about to, though. It's going to happen. He is the sovereign king over all the heavens and all the universe. And he is going to split this atmosphere and set his feet on this planet. And he's going to rule. And he's going to be given the worship that is due him. And it's going to all culminate in the next few chapters. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, in the Lord's prayer, uh, it's actually still a future event, although we can live his kingdom here on this earth, and we can pray that his will be done on this earth, but ultimately, his kingdom will come in its entirety one day in our future. I can't wait for that day. Verse 7, the mystery of God will be accomplished in the days of the blowing of the seventh trumpet. We'll see that in chapter 11. Uh, and it gives us the understanding that all the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls are not singular events, but they're periods of time. It's the time of, of the seals, the time of the trumpets, the time of the bulls. And so as we see different uh, things happening even today, I don't believe we're in this tribulational period yet, um, but it's, it's a period uh, of time when things occur, and we should have our eyes open uh, to the seasons and the occurrences Uh, that are happening in our day and in our time. Uh, The application in verse 8 through 11, um, that John goes to get this little book, and it's similar to Ezekiel 2, uh, 9 to 3, 3, um, receiving this sweetness. And he's told that when he puts the book in his mouth, he has to eat it. Very strange. Take it into himself is what it's saying. Uh, Take it into your into your soul, make it a part of you. And he eats it. And when he does, it's very, very sweet, like like sweet honey. Uh, one time in our backyard, we had bees that made a, a honeycomb. And uh, we had the beekeeper come and, and take the bees away, but he left us the honeycomb. And it was full of natural raw honey. And And we, we, we prepared it so that we could eat it. There's nothing more sweet and wonderful than that great, great, raw honey. But it got to his stomach and it made him sick. It was it was just it just was sickening in his stomach. Um, this picture of of ingesting the word is so important that each of us needs to ingest the word of God to make it part of us. Psalm one nineteen one eleven says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Romans ten, seventeen Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it is impossible to please God, that we need this word. We need the trust of the word in our life so that we can overcome. Remember, Satan's ultimate strategy was to bring doubt on the word of God from Genesis chapter 3. And Jesus's resistance to Satan's temptations in Luke 4 and Matthew 4 was that it is written, it is written, it is written, using God's word to, to make sure that we don't give in to temptation and don't give in to um, the confusion of deception. You can find everything in God's word and find a promise to help you in every situation. You're dealing with impure thoughts, Philippians 4 7 and 9. Think about what is excellent, noble, praiseworthy, etc. If you have doubt, um, know that He will never leave you or forsake you. If you fear failure, there is now, therefore, no condemnation, Romans 8 1. Uh, you have struggling with your purpose. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope. If you're struggling in your life, uh, Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you is able to complete it. Um, Know that you have the weapons of spiritual warfare from Ephesians 6. Uh, Constantly, there's a promise for everything you go through. And remember, God's word is good food. It's the bread of life, Matthew 4.4. It's the milk to drink, that good sweet milk, 1 Peter 2.2. It's the meat, 1 Corinthians three. It's honey uh, in your mouth, uh, Psalm one nineteen. Uh, take the word of God into your life, person, and 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 let it find a home inside of you. Well, when John eats this book, he finds that it is sweet and it is bitter. That's just the way God's word works, right? God's testimony to us that it's sweet for us who know the, the Lord. It's sweet in that it changes us for the better. It comforts us. It comforts us. It gives us hope. It gives us um, security and strength. At the same time, there's a bitterness that settles down inside a bitterness to know that that there's going to be a lot of life lost, a lot of people who will never, ever surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ as much as nothing can separate us from the love of god those who know him once that day is done nothing can bring that person and god back together again time is over and that's a bitter thought it's a it's a it's a it's a hard thought to think about but remember this book of the revelation should motivate us motivate us to witness to share to love to give to people in our lives because the time is short they might say well Pastor Greg, the time has been short for 2,000 years. Well, yeah, that may be true, but the day is closer today than it's ever been, and realize that time is short for a person who has limited time on this earth. We don't know how many years we're going to live. We don't know the day when we'll breathe our last. There's going to be a day when what can be shaken can be, will be shaken. It's important for us to set our roots down deep and make sure that we are ministering the truth of Jesus Christ to those that we love, to those in the earth. So the little scroll and the angel, little brief um, parenthesis here as we shift next time into chapter 11 when there are some dramatic things happening uh, around two witnesses in the city of Jerusalem. So make sure you check in uh, next time for chapter 11. Um, But let's go in his grace, ingesting the word, putting it inside of us so that we can share the good news with others. God bless you. Take care. This is Pastor Greg signing out, and let's live the Life 66 each day. Amen.